Our guest once again is Dr. Russell Levinson Jr., who's written a great book about God and golf. Stay with us. Hello and welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Lasanti, and Reverend Dr. Russell J. Levinson, Jr. joins me now. Dr. Levinson has served as rector of St. Martin's Episcopal Church in Houston, Texas, which is the largest Episcopal church in North America since 2007. Reverend Levinson wrote the book Witness to Dignity, The Life and Faith of George H.W. and Barbara Bush. The book is a personal and eyewitness account of the character the integrity, the service, faith, and dignity of George H.W. Bush and Barbara Bush, written by their priest, their pastor, their friend. Uh, Dr. Levinson's latest book is called In God's Grip. The subtitle is What Golf Can Teach Us About the Gospel. It's a book for those who love the game of golf and who want to live a more active faith life. Reverend Levinson is married to his wife, Laura, and they're the parents of three adult children. He's also, of course, a grandpa. Uh, he's here with us today to tell us about how specific elements of the game of golf can help one to live a more active and a more vibrant faith. Joining me, I'm so pleased to welcome back to Personally Speaking, the Reverend Dr. Russell J. Levinson, Jr. We are here once again with Reverend. I, what do you want to be called? Do you want to be Russ? Reverend? No, Russ but, I, no but I mean, Reverend or Father or what do you get called? I am a doctor. You're a doctor. Right. I am a doctor. In fact, since I saw you last, I got a honorary doctorate from our most Roman friendly seminary, Neshota oh. House, House Seminary, okay. uh, and, uh, and uh, they are they are just a hair away from the Mother Church uh, okay. because chanting and incense and and I'm kind of a low church evangelical, right? So I, right. I wondered why they invited me, but it ended up being an incredibly warm experience. So I gave their commencement address, and then when you do that, they give you an, an extra I diploma. <laughs> yeah, I said the first time I talked to the college graduation, I thought I might get paid with this. And you get paid with the doctor. OK. <laughs> All right. Let's go do this. Yes, sir. This book in God's grip, since it's about God and golf, I've got to begin with a very basic question. Um, how good a golfer are you, Russ? I am. But both of my adult sons, Monsignor, are giving me the hardest time because they said, uh, Dad, you don't play golf. And I said, well, I did play golf for many years. And if you remember, I played with both of you until your high school years. And I played some in graduate school and some in seminary. I said, but then I got this job at St. Martin's <laughs> and I don't have five discretionary hours anymore. <laughs> but the right, plan right. is to return to golf when uh, when I uh, ease into a different kind of retirement ministry. Uh, Are they good golfers, your sons? Uh, the the youngest is really enjoying it. In fact, he's taking it back up again, and he is uh, he really is having. I think he's having a good time with it. And the middle son uh, works pretty hard too, so I'm not sure he has that kind of time. But now, in God's grip, you can't read the book without coming to know something about Ben Hogan. But can you tell our viewers and listeners your own background in terms of knowing who Ben Hogan was? Sure, thank you, Monsignor. Well, the the idea for this book actually came to me. 
uh, before the last book that I wrote that you you and I talked about. And um, and uh, I was actually preparing for a funeral for a golfer. And as and I tend to personalize my homilies. And mm-hmm. so I was doing a little research and looking at quotes and images. And and I came across some of Ben Hogan's quotes, which are you know wonderful. And of course, he's the he is certainly the grandfather of the sport and right. um and uh and and then i came across his book five lessons of golf and i i ordered a copy i was so intrigued by kind of the title and i thought you know uh as i read through it and i read through the, the book i thought this could be a wonderful metaphor for the christian life yeah. and uh and so i actually wrote this book the, the first draft about six years ago and then i uh, put it down because of this most recent book and mm-hmm. the, the one on the bushes and then as soon as as soon as you you open Amazon and see your book, is it half price? Which there's nothing more humbling than that. <laughs> you start on a new project. And so right, right. this past summer, I, I finished this draft. It was picked up by Insight Press out of Covington, Louisiana, and um, came out just about ten days ago, really fully, and um, on Amazon and all the places where you buy books online. Um, but but Monsignor, I think the thing that really kind of that grabbed me he uh, ben hogan was not an overtly religious man i mean I, right. I, I i don't i don't know much about his personal faith um I, uh, but i do know there was an interview he was giving in 1957 and uh and he you know he's a bit stoic some people would say he was a bit stern but he did have if you read five lessons you see he has a marvelous sense of humor he really does have a good sense of humor that comes out in his writing but in that interview he, he was thanking his those many things in his life that enabled him to become the golfer he did. He thanked his wife, Valerie. And then he, at the very end, he said, and you know, you just can't do this sort of thing without God's help. Wow. And so I use that as kind of an entree yeah. to say, this is, this is a book using Ben Hogan's five lessons. This is a book about God's help. Now uh, for Reverend Les, Dr. Levinson, I want to say you took, yeah. you, made a, you made a shot a moment ago about the, uh, your Amazon book being uh, slightly reduced in price. But I want to tell you, last week I went over to uh, Barnes & Noble and you're still front and center and there's no discount. So I guess okay. it's, it's my it's it's my way of asking you, uh, for our listeners and viewers may remember that Doc Levinson wrote this book about the dignity of the bushes. Hmm. Any idea why that book has legs? Because I, I think it does. People are still fascinated by what you had to say about them. Why is that book holding true? Yeah, well, uh, two things I think, and and the publisher there has shed, um, and uh, Center Street at imprint of has shed. They actually just came out with this the softback version this week, okay. And, okay. And, and and but but they they felt you know given the uh, there's no other way to say this than to say it the the time in which we're living of this great political uh, cultural divisiveness. Um, there was a, a season that uh, w- we all, you and I both, and people mm-hmm. our age and older remember that there was a time when people on both sides of the political aisle could work together yeah. in civil, uh, ways to, to, for a greater good. And I think president Bush and Barbara, for whom I served as their priest for the last 11 and a half years of their lives, really modeled that to the very end. And, uh, and that the book was kind of born in the midst of that. And, and obviously all you have to do is turn on the news and see things have not changed. <laughs> and so right. I think people were, I gave a talk last week in Birmingham, Alabama to uh, a men's group of, of 350 men. And the, and the first half was on that book 
and the second half was on this book. But it it uh, enabled me again to tell the story of the Bushes. Yeah, I totally agree with you. There's a hunger for the dignity that they brought. The, uh, the guest this week on our own program is C.W. Goodyear, and he's written a book about President Garfield, and uh, he he calls under the subtitle a reconciler. And I think of George H.W. as the same, bringing yeah. people together. So I. Uh, I hope people get your golf book, but I hope they remember too to pick up the Bush book. Now let's go back to the golf book. God, yes, sir. What is God's grip? Yeah. So I think um, I, I moved through, uh, there's a, about 6% of the book are quotes from Ben Hogan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and one of the biggest challenges was, uh, was tracking down somebody who could give me permission during COVID because oh. all the, all the offices in New York were right, closed. Right, right, right. And uh, finally, um, we were able to get in touch with the the, the attorney for the family, um, a wonderful woman up in Dallas, Texas. And uh, she, I proposed, I told her what I was hoping to do. And she said, well, the family will want to see some of this. And I said, well, they can see all of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I finished it. <laughs> so I emailed her a draft and about a week later, they sent it. They said, absolutely. And, and all we ask is that you, you say that the heirs of Ben Hogan gave you permission to use it. Okay. And so one of the things that I think, Monsignor, that, that Hogan does, which is really applicable to, I think, our, our faith journey, is he says, a lot of people think golf is very confusing, very hard. I can never achieve it. I can, you know, it's way beyond my expertise. Easy for you to say, Ben Hogan, you're Ben Hogan. Right. And he said, no, really, they're, they're really five lessons. And if you can get these lessons and adopt them into your daily practice, mm-hmm. that not only will you become the golfer you wish to be, but you will enjoy the game of golf. Yeah. And so I begin with uh, talking about the, the five, the five lessons are grip, mm-hmm. uh, stance, right. a backswing, downswing and review. And so I, and in grip, I talk about God's grip on us as opposed to us trying to reach for God. He's always got us in his hands by his grace and, mm-hmm. and, and mercy and his love for us. If we can ever get hold of that, then the grip becomes light or thin, as as Ben Hogan says in golf. It's, it's that's thin. You know, your grip should be thin and easy. And I talk about thin places. The Celts talk about the thin places between heaven and earth. I said, if you can understand that God loves you and has His grip on you, then the the line between heaven and earth really becomes thin. And you're and then you it, then you kind of stand in God's presence. And and then the third part is the backswing. And I say all those things that we do to enhance our Christian life, all the spiritual disciplines, fasting, prayer, worship, uh, seeking a mentor, um, uh, studying the scriptures, whatever that is, all that kind of empowers us to come through with a downswing, uh, which enables the, the faith to be lived outside of us by our service, by our generosity, by mm-hmm. our love um, of others, by the fruits of the spirit, the gifts of the spirit. And then as my wife said, when she read it, she, we were both talking about the very end of the book and, and we both said, and, and there will be a review. <laughs> so, Absolutely. The, yeah. The, the gospel for this weekend is the, is the judgment, you know, the sheep yeah, and the goats. Yeah. So that's quite a review. I want to ask you too, what are the sand traps from your perspective in our spiritual lives? Yeah. You know, I, um, it's interesting. You say that I had a, a few well-known folks who, who you may know or not know. I guess I, I have some friends, obviously, in the political world because of my relationship with the Bushes. And the the um, political commentator, Britt Hume, oh, yeah. uh, sure. and, and then also Carl Rove, uh, mm-hmm. uh, who might perform Carl Rove's wedding, actually, here down here oh, in Texas, okay. um, to his lovely wife, Karen. 
but Brent read it, and I said something about Sand, sand Trap being a, a bad place to land. Yeah. And Brett said, "You you know you you really where you really don't want to land is the rough. It's worse. It's worse than the sand trap." And he said, "Because you don't know what's going to be in your way. There's going to be a tree in your way or whatever." Mm-hmm. But I, but I do talk about what Ben Hogan calls the things that spoil the game: yeah. swing wreckers. Right. And so I said, "There are there are swing wreckers to living your Christian life. Those whether that be whatever manifestation of sin that is in our life, of course." But there are other things that we go after that don't fill that deep need, that deep spiritual hunger that we're all born with that God gives us. And so I talk about the the lure of wealth, the lure of power, the lure of notoriety. And I kind of pluck at some folks that everybody knows and say, well, you know, uh, um, David Letterman gave a spe- gave an interview a few years ago, and I include this in the book, where he said, you know, I used to think what I did was so important until I retired. And then I realized a lot of it was silliness. I I used the rocker, uh, Alice Cooper, uh, as an example, who who has become a Christian uh, and is uh, teaching Bible study at his church. Who would have ever guessed? And um, and has now become a golfer, by the way. Um, and I, I say that, you know, and he said he actually said, I acknowledged in my life, even as Alice Cooper, the rocker, I acknowledged there was a Christ. He said, but I tried to put him off as long as I could. I tried to hedge my bets, get get everything done I want to do. And, and, and I, I posed that question. I said, who of you reading this book are hedging your bets? You're waiting till you make your first million or you're waiting till you, uh, you know, you find the right person to marry. You're waiting till you, you know, get the right job, whatever it is. But what, what are you putting off? Why are you putting off the most important relationship you could ever have? Right, right. You know, uh, last week, Granger Smith, country music singer, was our guest, and he's written a book called uh, Like a River about the drowning of his three-year-old son. He's leaving country music uh, because he wants to go into ministry and spend the rest of his life bringing people to the Lord. I mention that because people might not know, Russ, that you've been at this church since 2007, and now here we are in 2023. I'm just wondering when, whether it's through your writing or your preaching, how to remain fresh when you're talking to the same congregation over a long period of time. How do you do it? Yeah. Um, you know, Monsignor, I have a couple of good, I had good, one of the things I, I will say, I, I, I say after, after you've met, you know, Ben Hogan says, uh, when I decided to become a golfer, mm-hmm. you know, and then he said, that's, he said, I decided to become a golfer. I didn't decide to become a welder, an astronaut and a banker. Right. right. And so I, I said, you know, once you've decided to become a disciple of Jesus, um, there are lots of things you can do to strengthen that relationship. But I, I, I say the first thing you probably should do, and I, I said this before, we should all be praying, of course, but before developing your prayer life, is find a mentor. Mm-hmm. Find someone who is older and wiser to whom you can turn. And I have several of those, thank God, in my life. Uh, one of those is Max Lucado, who is a very popular uh, Protestant preacher here in Texas. And Max and I talk a lot. And Max says, that, you know, when you preach, preach like there's a broken heart in every pew and try to keep that in your mind, um, which there is, of course, usually plenty of broken hearts in every pew. Right. Um, I, um, I, I learned a lot from my mentor, John Claypool, who sadly died and left this life in 2005. I learned a lot from John Stott. Uh, who was a great Anglican uh, uh, evangelical preacher uh, that who died also in the early 2000s. Uh, but he was always saying, constantly read 
constantly, yes, use the resources of old that we have, but watch movies, watch what culture is watching so you can kind of make those connecting points. Um, but this is such great work, as you know, and as I know, I, I love doing this work. And even when I retire, somebody says, you're, you're not going to retire, you're going to refire. So, <laughs> find, find something else to do whenever that day comes. But, um, you know, I, I, I think um, I am constantly reading, constantly looking for uh, images. I mean, this Sunday is also the lesson in addition to the great judgment is, uh, I think is Ezekiel. Mm -hmm. And I talk about the, uh, how Ezekiel kept trying to turn people to the right thing to give them fulfillment. And, and so the image I use for this Sunday is, you know, lens crafters, you know, the eyeglass, right. folk, they have a little, they, they make a little promise in their advertising. They say, well, if you, uh, if you're not happy, you can return your glasses when, and, and so I thought, well, they don't really say if you're not happy with your glasses, they say, are you, if you're not happy. And so wow. I, I kind of played off of that and I, and I actually called lens crafters this week and I said, is that still <laughs> your policy? Yes, that is still our policy. And in another phone call with lens crafters, I said, uh, and, and then she said, but it has to be within 30 days. I said, oh, so there's the catch. <laughs> but I said, so if I'm not happy, can I return them as much as I want? Uh, within that 30 days. And, and she said, yes, but you know, that's never happened here before. <laughs> wow. But what I, what I say is that the, the, uh, you know, what, what is it that really makes you happy? I mean, what is it deep down that makes us happy? And it's again, having that relationship with our Lord. I, I and, and uh, we just spent some time in, in England this past summer on sabbatical and visited castles as we like to do and big churches and castles. So one of the things about castles, of course, is they have a drawbridge. Yes. And and you got to lower that to let people in. Yeah. And so I kind of close with that image. You know, is there something in there? Oh, it's Christ the King Sunday. I, I guess I should say that's why we're right. preaching on these right. things. And I and I, I said, you know, is there somebody who's on the throne of your heart that's not that shouldn't be? And if so, you need to lower the drawbridge and put the king in his rightful place. <laughs> Okay, now I want to talk about you're so active in so many ways in bringing God's word to people, which I love. But uh, Dr. Levinson, I got to ask you, we had last week, uh, Mike Pence is our guest, and his new book is called Go Home for Dinner. Um, mm. When you have, as he has a family, you have a family, wife and mm. children, but you have all these demands of ministry, what is the key to balance? Yeah. Um, yeah, you make our Lord first. You probably okay. know the name Gordon McDonald. Uh, who who has written an incredible book probably 40 years ago called Ordering Your Private World. Mm -hmm. And I, ha I bet I have given away at least 100 of those to very active, busy, mainly men um, whose lives are kind of crumbling apart or hitting a brick wall. And so I, he, and, and in that book, McDonald says, you know, you start with your relationship with our Lord, make sure that solid, firm. Then the next circle is the closest relationships in your life. If you're if you're married, it's your spouse and your children. If you're not married, it's those close friends that you have. The outer circle, the third priority is your vocation. And he said, what we tend to do is put our vocation in the middle, which pushes God and family out. And mm -hmm. I've, I've certainly seen that. I want to thank uh, Dr. Russell Levinson Jr. for a couple of things. First of all, for his life, his ministry. And uh, I hope if you haven't already, my watchers and listeners got hold of Witness to Dignity, his book about Barbara and George H.W. Bush. You got to read it. Great stuff. Gives you hope for people in national leadership, uh -huh. international leadership. But now this particular book, 
in God's grip with golf can teach us about the gospel. All our folks who are listening and watching, Christmas is coming up. What better time to get your favorite golf of this book? As as we now know from our conversation, obviously not just a book about golf, but more importantly about our life mm-hmm. in God. I thank you so much for, us for, for writing it and for being our guest once again. And let's hope this book, because it touches so many parts of our life that are important, uh, is truly the bestseller it needs to be for the sake of our souls. Thank you so much, Monsignor. You're always a generous host, and I love talking with you. Thank you so much. And listen, uh, now we're off officially. Do you only hang out with secretaries of state? No. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I, let me let me tell you, I, the other night at that event, I, I called my wife because she couldn't come. She was grandmoming that night. In a, and, and I said, uh, they put me at the kids' table. <laughs> I was way off to the side of the kids' table. Um, your, your impression of Hillary? Uh, you know, uh, you know, she, per- I, I mean, I don't want to, I, I don't want to discount. Uh, I mean, she, she proclaims herself to be a, a faithful Christian. Now that I, she grew I, up in yeah, yeah. Methodist home. Um, you know, she's a little edgier. Uh, well, it's interesting because they, they did talk about the future and, and, um, uh, she does, she does not want a particular candidate to be president. And I think mm-hmm. in all honesty, you know, secretary Baker said, you know, we, we have, we should have lots of candidates. Right. And, and, right. Um, but, uh, but she was very warm when, when the, when we, when we hosted the funeral for Barbara Bush that, um, and all the former presidents and their wives came, honestly, I got spent this much time with each of them, obviously oh. not a lot, but, um, but of all of them, she was the most engaging. I mean, she was wow. very curious about the church and, you know, what was going on there and very warm, uh, and, you know, to me, and I, which I appreciated. Uh, it was interesting, since we're off the air, uh, uh, Nora O'Donnell, who's the CB, uh, CBS uh, right, broadcast, right. she was the moderator. And so, uh, you know, once Henry Kissinger kind of got through with his drop in, uh, they turned off the screen and they got to the end. And Nora O'Donnell said, now we have one more question from a special guest. Uh, surprise. And that Henry Kissinger comes back up on the screen. And he said in that thick accent, he said, I want to know who is the most uh, most successful secretary of state of the past <laughs> generation. And both Hillary Clinton and Jim Baker said, well, obviously it's Henry Kissinger. Yeah, right. <laughs> so he still has ego needs, even at 100. Exactly, you know? <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you again. You're wonderful, Russ. And whenever the, whenever the next book comes out, please. Please join us again, please. Thank you. I'll send. I, I uh, interesting. This surprised me. Uh, I don't think it'll be a, a bestseller, but this address that I gave at the Neshota House Semin- uh, Seminary, uh, okay. and again, it's very Anglo-Catholic. It's very interesting that, uh, um, and the Lord had a great sense of humor because I was all ready to be decked out in my, uh, you know, my cassock and my everything, and and uh, and I. I didn't. Want, I left early in the morning to fly up there and uh, way up north. And uh, I reached in the closet to get my suit out, and I pulled it out. And it was my wife's pantsuit. Oh no! <laughs> so, so all I had to wear to the commencement. Fortunately, I had a pair of black jeans. And so I, I said to the congregation as I began, I said, "This is the Lord's sense of humor because here I am <laughs> at the most, uh, the high, highest liturgically." fashion seminary and i'm uh, this is probably the first time anybody has preached at this moment in jeans um but and this was an encouragement to me because you know our our episcopal church has got some real challenges all churches do but we do because of our divisiveness right and uh so that's the house which is in wisconsin very high liturgically 
the dean of Virginia Seminary, who is in Virginia Seminary, where I went, is very low liturgically, emphasis on preaching. And uh, and the dean of Virginia read the address, and he said, I think we want to turn this into a book. Wow. And and this that also tells you how long it was. (laughs) It was was (laughs) way too long. long. I'm sure the dean regretted his invitation halfway through the sermon. And so um, I was, I said, well, that I'm quite taken that, you know, that, and he said, and I want to write the Ford. And, um, and then he invited George Carey, who's the 103rd Archbishop of Canterbury right. to write a, 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 a preface. And then the uh, Cynthia Ketteridge, who's the Dean of our, our seminary in Austin, which is quite progressive seminary, frankly, uh, wrote an epilogue. Uh, and, and, and but it, and so they've built it into this fifty pages, a little thin book, but little, the whole address. But it is about the central elements of a, a an effective priesthood, okay. and um, and it, I think it comes out in January or something. I haven't I haven't seen the final. Excellent, copy. good, good. But, uh, it, but it was encouraging just to see. Okay, yes, conservative, right in the middle, right to the left, but they all came together to say, you know, there are some essential things. Uh, mm-hmm. That are represented in this address, and um, and they, com- I, was, I was quite taken, quite humbled, you know. But uh, I'll send you a copy. Um, I would appreciate that. As I'm listening to you talk about uh, the writing and the preaching and the funerals, mm-hmm. and um, you either don't sleep or you sleep very soundly. It's it's a mix of the two. Thanks, <laughs> thanks to melatonin. Hey, I, I'll show I'll show you this. This is going to be in the book. You'll appreciate this because I I um I talk about be a person of prayer and piety. And I use the and I I talk about the only time I went to the Vatican, um, and you know I was overwhelmed. My wife made me. She said we've got to get there early. We're never you got to beat the lines. And I didn't believe her, so we had to get up at seven o'clock or whatever. Right. And it was an incredible tour. And when I see, saw the Pieta, I talked mm. about you know my, my eyes filling with tears to see that for the first time. But then it was just became and uh, crushing. You know the sounds and, and the people and the statuaries and the candles and people raising up their cameras to take selfies and pictures. And I said, and I began to kind of get lost in all of it and, and mm. wondering what, where is God in all this moment? And I said, in this moment of grace, our Lord must have just tapped me on the shoulder and I turned my head and in one of the side chapels way away, uh, there was this, let's see if we can get it so that it's the right way. There is, let's see, let's see, I want you to see this uh, nun on her knees, praying by herself, ah. way away from the crowds, all by herself. And I used that. I said, you know, and it's it was as if to say, our Lord was saying, yeah, all this is is something, right, something right. To all, but this is what is matters most important. Yeah, yeah. And so this this actually picture will be in the book. Um, Excellent. Also. Well, thank you. No, thank Great. you, Russ. Thanks for being with us today. If you need to reach me for any reason, you can get me at personallyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. You can probably listen to this program on SiriusXM, the Catholic channel, but you can also watch us on YouTube by searching under Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Lasanti. And don't forget to click like and subscribe. Personally Speaking is also on Facebook at Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Lasanti. And we're also now on Instagram at Personally Speaking Podcast. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer, personally speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.